and call it the He-Man Woman Haters Club. Vox Popcast. I am Chris Maverick, your host. I am here once again, as always, except for those few times with Wayne Wise. Hi, Wayne. Hey, Mav. I'm here as your other host again. <laughs> it's two weeks in a row. We're both here, which is kind of kind of great. <laughs> Don't tempt fate. So trying an interesting topic today, something that's been in the news in the geek news a little bit lately. You want to talk about it? Sure. Just as it keeps coming up, we saw the thing last week, this whole idea of toxic fandom. Sometime in the last week or so, there was the thing about Kelly Marie Tran, who played Rose Tycho in Star Wars The Last Jedi, and she deleted her Instagram account because she was getting constant abuse from people who consider themselves fans of Star Wars. And I just, it hit me, this tied into, I mean, there are things like Gamergate and this ongoing thing of people who are fans of things seem to be more interested in yelling about those things and actually enjoying those things. So, you know, it's, there's a problem here somewhere and I thought that would be an interesting topic to talk about. Yeah, it should be. I, 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 I think it's not just her too, which is the problem. There's a- Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the most recent one, but there's a tremendous history of this. And so in order to talk about that, as always, we decided we should invite some people on. So it's not just us boring people for an hour. So this week, returning after a couple of weeks off, we have Abby. Hi, Abby. Hi, I'm here again. <laughs> Welcome back. Abby was last on the show that we talked about um, video game bi- violence. That's the one I wasn't on, so... <laughs> yeah. So uh, last time I was on the video game violence one, so I decided to join in on this uh, fandom and toxicity conversation because this is another thing that I'm interested in. <laughs> so I'll be here again. Yeah, interested in in a cool. good way. Bad. It's hard to say. <laughs> it, it, interested in the way that we watch train wrecks. <laughs> yeah, you are not a toxic fan. <laughs> I tried to invite some toxic fans, but <laughs> we did talk about that for like two minutes. Do we want to have anybody on? who would represent the toxic fans to have a fair conversation. And then we realized, but we'd have to talk to them for an hour. And that sounds painful. And yeah, I, I don't want to give them have a fair to rock conversation. bottom people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with not being fair. So, so in, instead we decided to pick somebody else, someone new to the podcast this is a old friend of yours. Yeah. Um, I, I welcome to the podcast, David Fielding. I've known David for, <laughs> Oh God. 28 years now, I think. Um, David, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm David Fielding. I'm uh, Wayne's uh, longtime friend, and uh, I had a little something to do with pop culture. So there you go. A little something. <laughs> a little something. <laughs> go, go ahead and tell us. I, I, I knew David before his, his claim to fame, but uh, tell everybody your claim to fame. Uh, I originated the role of Zordon on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Which is something that's part of pop culture. From what I understand, they have two or three fans or so, something like that. <laughs> Six or seven zeros behind those. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you've been doing the, the convention circuit, uh, doing autographs and, and photos and that sort of thing. So I just, I, you know, we, we definitely wanted, just because of the, the connection I have with you and 
the many, many conversations you and I have had in the last three decades about pop culture. But this one really seemed to, to be an appropriate one to invite you on to because you've experienced some of this, the, the whole face to face with fandom in ways the rest of us haven't. And I, I think you probably have some insights that, that we don't. Sure. So, yeah, it, it, I'm going to throw this on you. Just talk a little bit about you know, what you're doing with the, the convention circuit and then. Hopefully that can lead us into the, the bigger topic. Sure. As it was pointed out, uh, the Power Rangers do, does have a very large fan base. And going to conventions all across the country and several other countries, uh, I get to meet a wide selection of those fans. Uh, you know, they're, uh, and, and to speak with them face to face. And also, there's a large part of interacting with them online, either through tweets or posts or anything like that. So I, I have never experienced anything to the degree of which somebody like Kelly Marie Tran has, but there have been quite a few interactions that went south. And uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough that my <laughs> notoriety uh, or whatever level you want to call that isn't in any great, it's, it's not huge or anything like that. But what I have experienced is just uh, general rudeness and discourtesy. I've never been confronted with anything that was sexist or misogynist or, or racist or anything like that. But it exists. It's out there. And mm -hmm. I've seen conversations between fans on other posts where that does happen. And I, I've, I've got my thoughts on why that might happen or, or what's going on. But as Wayne can tell you, we've had quite some in-depth conversations that touch on a broad range of subjects because Wayne and I both know that on, on a very real level, things are interconnected. And there's a lot going on here, rather, that that isn't just toxic fandom. That That's a great moniker for it. I mean, it, it fits perfectly, but there's a lot feeding into that. And I, you know, I think that's something we should, you know, just chat about. Yeah. So I think what's interesting about what David's saying is David is, I mean, you pointed out you've had negative interactions with fans, but in your own words, you said never as sexist or racist as what Tran is currently dealing with. But to be fair, you're lucky enough to be a white guy, which probably helps a little bit. And I think that's a part of it. Uh, but I also think it's part of the fact that that the character I played was a humanoid. He wasn't he wasn't like an actual human from Earth. Um, and he doesn't he doesn't have any merchandise. There isn't any sort of uh, I, I think this 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 plays into it. I mean, uh, there's there's no merchandise. There's no toy for them to actually hold in their hands and play with and stuff like that. So a broad spectrum of, of the fans for Power Rangers are, are on the spectrum. And um, I, I think that's true for for any big pop culture franchise that people glom onto these things. They latch onto them and and they get so hyper-focused on one aspect of it that everything else kind of falls away. And it, it makes some interactions difficult because you will give them an answer to a question that doesn't satisfy them. It's not what they want to hear. And yeah, they'll yeah. keep pushing. They'll keep pressing for an answer. And, you know, things can get a little tense at that point. But getting back to the whole toxic atmosphere of, of what's happening, I, th I, I think it's part and parcel of what is actually happening 
in this country and around the world today. I mean, it's, it's a symptom of uh, a bigger disease. Yeah, you're absolutely right with that. Abby, just as as a woman who is involved in fandom. Well, there, there's a couple things that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah, your experience with that, because that's different than mine or Mav's or, or certainly David's. It's a different place than where David is with the, the celebrity or whatever. But just as a woman in fandom, I have witnessed you have some of these interactions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the things before I forget, before we jump into that part of it, is David was talking about how people latch on to things and his lack of merchandise and before we even started this podcast, I wanted to do a little research for <laughs> some things of what other people were talking about it. And a person named Peter Coffin published an article about talks of fandom, and he used this term called cultivated identity, which was based off of another concept that somebody was talking about with fandoms, and they're called a consumer-centric entertainment. And I think we do kind of find something with merchandising and fan culture and this idea of ownership about it and how people craft their identities about it and how gatekeeping tendencies start to jump into that. Mm-hmm. And in fandom, fandom's such a weird, horrible thing, especially to base an identity, <laughs> because like there's this idea that we're all this unified unit with it. And uh, nothing better portrays fandom than uh, my friend Kwame, who I've known for years and years yeah. ago. I remember I came back from the comic book shop one day and I was just kind of burnt out from some of those like really in-depth uh, conversations where the person's like, they want you to believe that like how fandom is for them, it should exist for you. And I remember my friend Kwame being like, sometimes, dude, you just don't want to wear the Star Wars shirt. It doesn't mean <laughs> we're going to be friends just because we both are wearing the Star Wars shirt right now. That does not mean that like our personalities actually do mesh because a lot of different people are drawn to the same things, but that doesn't mean like you're going to be BFFs. <laughs> and like, I have never forgotten that. And like, because so much of fan culture now, especially is so much consumer directed because there are collectible Mm-hmm. Like there's that really great shirt that has a dealership with Target. <laughs> I was like, you can buy for $12 and it looks super great. Like, not that I just bought one. <laughs> because like there is this like complex relationship fans have and like it depends on the person really because like I have seen people who like that is your identity that fandom very much on your sleeve and then there's others who like you know you lurk in the shadows (laughs) before you decide to broach out and I think I I have a lot of graphic tees and stuff but uh for a lot of stuff like people have to kind of show themselves a little bit before because I've had very bad reactions with people in shops or with gaming luckily when I worked at Fan of the Attic I haven't had that many horrible uh, <laughs> experiences with like explicit sexism. But I mean, Wayne can attest to this too. The amount of times that men would just assume I knew nothing before I had to correct them that like, yes, the first African-American superhero, not superhero, but African-American character that you see in Marvel comics was Gabe Jones. And like, <laughs> it's just like these like things where like I have to be consistently tested even though that shit doesn't matter. I just know it because those things interest me. There's yeah. no proving ground because like, right. but my favorite thing that people could ever do was when I watched the life in their eyes die when they realized <laughs> I had been an intern right. at Marvel and I had like achieved more fandom <laughs> cred than they ever could. <laughs> Abby, you remember there was, there was the guy in the story. This had nothing to do with, with fandom at all, but there was a guy who started talking about Nazi Germany and sort of lecturing you on how that worked out. And I remember you just completely shutting him down like you'd had an entire semester on Nazi Germany and the rise of all that and just you know you say the the light died in his eyes and, and say that wasn't a fandom thing but still that he was doing that 
more for you than for me, certainly. Oh, yeah. No, there's just always assumptions that like I know nothing. The amount of times where <laughs> old white men try to tell me you should read a history <laughs> book. And then I was like, that's cool that you're talking about like how much you love the Confederacy and have not read any of the like their succession statements where they all explicitly talk about how much they love slavery and their currency. And like, here's all these historical documents. Not that like I've gone to Gettysburg five times with my father and like, I was really obsessed with it for a really long time in my life, but whatever. I don't read history. No, I didn't major in it in school or anything. And it's just this assumption like that. And like, I see it so many times where, you know, a lot of my guy nerd friends are never questioned about what yeah. they like or what they do. I, heck, I was in um, I was in a restaurant with my friends from WVU. It was all the people that I graduated with in my program. So there's like four of us. It was really small. And we went out to like Chili's for like lunch or something. And I was wearing an Avenger shirt because I love it. And our waiter made some kind of comment about like, oh, but do you like really like comic books? And like, I'm just like, you know about to like bite through my lip because I'm so (laughs) and my friend Lydia jumps down his goddamn throat (laughs) so fast she was like uh for your reference and like schooled him on all the ways that I am way better than he ever (laughs) and like here's the thing too like people who usually ask that stuff I I find more often than not like don't like they are the people that aren't like who wouldn't meet gatekeeping credentials of anything and like, yeah. i don't care anybody can enjoy something like it's fine like it doesn't matter like why do we need to make this a pissing contest right. <laughs> like, well, and, yeah it's something i i see and i i think this ties into the the whole topic and i i certainly see this in the store and have for years and on the internet there's that sense of ownership that, that comes with the fandom and like this is my thing there was a, a customer for years who get this comic book customer who was a little awkward but but he would come in and just insert himself in other people's conversations no matter what they were talking about he would just walk up into the middle of them and he had to be the expert on whatever it was you know like actually it's it's this and like this was his identity he was so enmeshed in this world of this one thing here's this one thing that he was a specialist at and and that became that that became his only identity and and once that's challenging if someone else challenged him on it or whatever then he's a little lost and angry and weirded out and whatever and i just i think that's happening on a grand scale everywhere i'm sort of glad you guys brought up the confederacy example i think one thing to have no 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 yeah yeah I yes, the black, the black guy on the show, on the program is talking about how glad he is to talk about the Confederacy. <laughs> no, what, what I think is interesting about it, you know, much like most things on the show, we sort of started with something from the geek world. We started with Kelly Marie Tran, with Star Wars issue. And we're not about to analyze Star Wars on this show. This is about fandom. And fandom is just a name that geek community came up with for i'm going to say our subculture but it's not even one subculture it's a whole bunch of subcultures yeah. the, last week we did the show on fanfic fanfic is one particular kind of fandom and it's even hundreds of kinds of fandom because there's you know there's the people who are writing about star wars there's people who are reading, writing about comic books there's the people who are writing about supernatural outside of the geek world there's a whole fandom devoted to jane austen novels right and there's fandoms to stealers yeah, like there's yeah, lots yeah, of fandoms yeah, like, yeah, people yeah. don't think of it in those terms yeah, but we, it is well yeah we, i mean we live in pittsburgh all of us, but David and here and, and David spent a lot of time here and here, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are essentially a religion They're <laughs> yeah, They're far more important than anything else that happens in the city. But other fandoms exist or other subcultures that exist that you don't necessarily normally think of as fandoms. If we're talking about the, con- the people who are into the Confederacy. 
<laughs> oh yeah, yes. no, it is a type of fandom. There yeah. certainly is. A, there certainly is a fandom for the people who go out there and they reenact the Civil War. The, yeah, you know, yeah. That, reenactors. That, but I'm not. But I'm not even just talking about that. I'm talking about the guy who just really wants his Southern pride. He just really wants his mud flaps with Confederate flags on them. And you know, why can't I do this? A couple of weeks ago, I was in Myrtle Beach, and there is a store down there called the Dixie Shop that I was afraid to go in because <laughs> yeah. I'm a black guy, and I was in, yeah. <laughs> and I was in the South. And there's a big sign with a massive Confederate flag. So it just so then I went back and I just Googled the store and, and oh, am I so glad that I didn't go in there? Yeah, um, right. But there, but it, but it is a subculture that is based around identity, as you said. Those people who are into Southern pride, that's because Southern pride is a part of their identity. It doesn't really matter the history of the confederacy and what it means to them yeah yeah it's right. any more than a massive batman fan i taking all of the racism and sexism out of it <laughs> for a moment which is hard yeah i have been in conversations with people no i'm talking about classic batman stuff from the 90s right. and i'm like are you out of your fucking mind right. <laughs> there's, there's it's like tr trust me i know more about this than you and the same thing's going to happen with history the actual history of the civil war irrelevant. The same thing yeah. happens with things that right now we have from various levels of I agree with to do not agree with. You have people who might call themselves social justice warriors, feminists. You have people who are the Black Lives Matter movement. You have people that go on the other spectrum to the men's right activists, the, the alt-right, people who I don't agree with on anything <laughs> in, those, in those groups. But the rules that govern the subculture are effectively the same. And I think what ends up happening is there's a performative aspect of mm -hmm. I am going to prove that I am a real geek by telling the red haired girl that I know more about the Avengers than she does. And I imagine that goes badly because <laughs> 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 I know it happens. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't. Um, but it, this is going to happen in most subcultures. And it's what really created Gamergate. I don't think anybody in Gamergate really, well, maybe they thought they did, but I don't think anybody really, really cared whether or not someone was sleeping with someone for stories. It doesn't matter. They just wanted to prove that they were better than the woman. That's all it was about. You're not a real fan. And that's what started this. And it snowballs. Same yeah. thing with, you know, why am I trying to show off that I know better? Well, not me, because I'm like Abby, I don't fucking care. But why is, the way, <laughs> why is the waiter trying to prove that he knows more about the Avengers? Because he wants to show, haha, I am a cooler geek than you. Because, yeah. you know, we talked about this during the Comic-Con show. You're talking about something that when, when I was a kid was really, really nerdy and dumb. And this is, this is a whole community built around people who couldn't get laid in high school who are suddenly cool because we make $2 billion movies. So I've got to prove that I'm the real fan. And that's what I think happened with Tran. Nobody hates Kelly Marie Tran. Those people don't give a shit about Kelly Marie Tran. They hate that Rose is in this movie. Yeah. That's not exactly the movie that they had built up in their mind over the last 30 years since the previous one. That's why they attacked her. You know, there's an article that Wayne forwarded us earlier that we will link in the show notes that talks about the hatred that John Boyega and Daisy Ridley got before a frame of uh, Force Awakens had been filmed. Oh no, we can't have that black guy and that woman in our Star War because this is the story about Princess Leia, Han Solo, and Luke Skywalker. And I'm like, these people are 60 and 70 years old. They're not going to run around anymore. You know, they did their best, but they're old people. 
This is a movie that happens 30 years later. And people want to be able to control it because if my identity is nothing but being a Star Wars fan and you don't look like what Star Wars is to me, then you are threatening my identity and who I am. At or my this course. fear that like any type of change to that is some sort of concession or it's some sort of pandering as an idea rather than like just media is changing overall. And yeah. There's this reactionary to it. They, they take it as a personal threat at times. Yeah, because it's like cultivated identity. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's it. Yeah. It threatens their identity. Here's this thing I identify with and suddenly it's not what I like anymore. So what does that say about my identity? Well, and it also fits into like everything has to match. Heaven forbid something that you identify and like with. And then you realize that it doesn't match up to all these other things that you hold true about yourself in like your ideology. Yeah. And like, yeah. there's plenty of shit that I like that is like super not aligned with me. And like, yes. you, like I can like you can carry on with that. But like this idea that like not only and I feel like this, I, this fits into a bigger context of like how social media makes now that line between the professional world and like the access to feel like you can have some sort of input and are owed ownership in that creation because there's a longer story about folklore and fandom yeah. that kind of fits in. But like the fact that now people, that line is now completely blurred for the people who used to be like, there was a line for us that we couldn't reach, but now it's right here. And I can talk to that person by adding them. <laughs> like it's yeah, there yeah. now. Or you can just invite yeah. them on your podcast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, or like right. harass them at a convention. I actually wanted to ask David about that. Yeah. Uh, so David, my question for you. So one thing that makes Power Rangers different than something like Star Wars. Power Rangers from the second season onward is essentially built around the idea of change in its entire existence. There is, unlike Star Wars where, oh, this has been Luke Skywalker. It's been Luke Skywalker's story for 38 years and God damn it, you're not going to do anything else. Power Rangers change every season. Right. Unless you're Tommy and you stay around until you're, <laughs> you're 75 years old. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, they... The first three seasons was the Mighty Morphin seasons, and then then it changed to Zio and Turbo and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but honestly, uh, you know, the Sentai that it's drawn from changes season to season. I mean, that's yeah. that's part of the identity of what the Sentai is all about. It's it's this continuing saga that has different looks and di and different aspects to to each of the seasons. Mm -hmm. uh, what I hear a lot of the times, and this this goes back to something you guys were talking about earlier about identifying and and how fans make these these uh, franchises their identity. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard fans bemoan changes by you know crying out, "Oh my childhood, you're ruining my childhood." <laughs> and we, um, we talked about that on the nostalgia show, <laughs> right? I mean, uh, it, to me that that concept is is not something that makes any sense to me because your childhood is preserved on <laughs> it's it's not going to change you can watch the same episodes over and over and the same lines are going to be said this you know it, it doesn't change whatsoever so like because the new power rangers movie came out last year uh yes. you know there was so much hand wringing and hair pulling about you know they're going to ruin it blah 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 and, you know, it turned out to be perfectly fine. I mean, there was some diehard haters who, who just, you know, couldn't wouldn't have anything to do with it. And then, you know, it brought in some new fans and that's what it's always supposed to do. But this whole idea of ownership over a franchise, I think, is really one of the roots of what makes this thing toxic. The idea that 
something that you had nothing to do with. You you didn't help create it. You didn't help film it. You didn't act <laughs> in it. You you only simply watched it or purchased the toys, and suddenly it's yours. You were seven. You didn't well, even you, purchase the toys. Someone gave them to you. You're right. right. <laughs> and and. and David, you, you did act in it and you don't own it. <laughs> <laughs> Very much yeah. so. I do not own it. Uh, but, I mean, when, when you talk about something like Star Wars, I mean, and, you know, you, you guys had mentioned sports and whatever. I mean, whatever level of fandom or whatever segment of fandom you belong to, there's always going to be a toxic, toxic element to it because... Mm-hmm. I mean, my God, look at sports. There's so much derision and just ugliness, you know, back and forth between my team is better than your team. And, and, and we see it, you know, among rap artists, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to drop a diss track, you know, to get back at you for saying this. And, and there's this element of almost violent competition that needs to happen in order for something to be relevant. And it's uh, and sometimes it can be quite quite scary to deal with or or to watch happen and and when you when you get something like Star Wars which for the longest time it was just three movies so and maybe some comic books uh, and then when the merchandise started branching out into into different forums you get like role playing games and video games and other uh, things like this then then the sense of ownership really comes back. And, you know, the, the, because the fan be, gets to live out the fantasy of actually being a Jedi and, you know, telling the stories that, that they want to tell. And so when these new films come out, you know, 16 years later with episodes one, two and three, and then 10, you know, 10 years after that with episodes seven and eight, we're going to nine. There's been a, a long history of them, you know, and, and all the books that were written uh, that were at one time canon. And then, you know, Disney threw them out. They're not canon anymore. And people are outraged about that. So the sense of ownership that that they own this not not the creators not the people who are actually making the things but they the fans because they've collected all this stuff they have they have all the soundtrack versions they have all the posters they have all of the it, it's theirs mm-hmm. and and it, it and it comes out in in these these violent hateful posts of how dare you and you know, and and I think that that's something that's sort of ingrained in the DNA of our society. Not necessarily human beings themselves, but the DNA of society, uh, where when you support a, a voice that yells loudest into the void, you know, then <laughs> then you start getting these these mob mentalities that really can do a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, psychologically and, and emotionally and mentally damaging what they once loved. Yeah. To, to tie into something you said earlier, David, about just this is the, the times we're living through, something that somebody brought up in the store just this week, and all, all my references are things people brought up in the store because oddly enough, that's where I talk about this stuff. But just even the, the nature of these things that, that we're, we're into, the fandoms, I mean, Star Wars itself, uh, Lord of the Rings, it sets up this idea of good and evil, the, the light side and the dark side. There's a great dark lord. So it sets up this... There are no gray areas. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. It sets up a an overt conflict. And you, know, you, you go back to the sports teams, that's what it's all based on. My team is better than your team, and we play these games to prove that. So by their very nature, the metaphor that the, the stories themselves support is one of antagonism and us versus them. Well, I think, that, I think that's what I'm talking about. You know, the, the ingrained DNA of society is this idea yeah. of the, the forever war. There's, there's always going to be the rebels. There's always going to be the, the thing that needs to get overthrown. 
And there's this really weird philosophy that the rebels are always the good guys. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's very strange. Over in real life, they're like, shut them down. Yeah. Who does that? Because we actually really like our stand- like yeah. status quo. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't question them at all. And when we see it, we're disrupted. We get very upset. Well, you talked about history and the history of this country. We were the rebels. Yeah. Well, depending on which war. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the British, British were the British. We were the we were yeah, the yeah. we were yeah. the guys yeah. hiding behind the trees. We were the rebels. You know, we were the Ewoks. That that's who we were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were the Ewoks, but we were also. I mean, this goes into the nature of I mentioned earlier. Subcultures aren't just about fandom. Our mm-hmm. society is built on this idea of us versus them that David was just talking about. For all the complaints that people have, people who aren't me right now, about the Colin Kaepernick flag protest, which is actually an anthem protest. There's no flags involved at all. But I've run into many arguments with people about how unpatriotic it is to stand how the founding fathers would have never agreed with what he was doing. I'm like, but the founding fathers hijacked a fucking boat to start this country. <laughs> Created their own flag to replace the other one, they, their legal flag. Right. The, that's where, you know, the rebels are always, it is always an us versus them kind of thing. You want to associate your side with the good guys. In, in a Star War, up until the last one, the idea of the rebels are the good guys, the Empire is the bad guys, and there's this, you know, there is just this war that goes on of good versus evil. And one of the things I liked about Last Jedi is it sort of complicates it and says, no, both sides are just profiteering in a war, they have different ideological viewpoints. That is a more complicated issue. That ju- It comes up in Rogue One a little bit as well. And I don't think fans of a culture see anything. There's always the joke of, you know, in the South, it's not the Civil War. It's, it's the War of Northern Aggression because they're just trying to take over our way of life. And it's like, yeah, well, we are. Your way of life is keeping people as property. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I disagreed with that. And same thing, same thing right now. It's like, well, you're pissing on the idea of what the American flag stands for. And then of course, those who kneel say, eh, no, you're not. No, we're not. And, and then you have me saying, yeah, I, I do not like what the American flag stands for. If it stands for the fact that people who look kind of like me can just be shot by the police, which, <laughs> which I have a problem with. And you always want to see your side as being the good guy, mm-hmm. no matter what. But in real life, life's not that simple. And in real life, you cross a line and you become a certain level of aggressive. Batman can solve all problems by just punching somebody. But that we don't really do that in life. And it's not necessarily a good idea to just kind of run a poor woman off the internet because you disagree with her, especially when your point of view isn't necessarily as morally righteous as you probably think it is. The thing that I find uh, really interesting about all of these fans who are, are railing against star Wars and the changes in star Wars, it, it, you know, it just seems like they're fighting this rebellion for stagnation. They don't want it to change. Mm-hmm. They want this thing that they grew up with. I mean, you're, you're, you're arguing about a movie that's written for fucking seven-year-olds. The reason you like Star Wars so much is the first time you saw it, you were seven or, or ten or, or a teenager in high. That's, that's the way, you know, if you were born in the 60s, Going back, I always joke that people hated Jar Jar when, yeah. when Lucas brought Jar Jar in. Jar Jar is no more annoying than 3PO was. 3PO is a fucking obnoxious <laughs> piece of shit that I love because I was a four-year-old when that movie came out. <laughs> I, I was born in the 60s and I wasn't stoned, but I got yeah. into that later, So, <laughs> but no, Go back and listen to our episode on nostalgia. Shameless plug. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we got, yeah. 
about a lot of this stuff then as as well. Just that idea of what we love is, you know, mm-hmm. I was 12. I loved it then. And I don't feel that way about it now because I'm 54. You're in a different place in your life. Well, Mav, just to, before I forget, you and I talked about this earlier. And Abby, I know you and I have talked about this at length. In Marvel Civil War, the, the comic series, as opposed to okay. um, the, the movies, everybody identified with Captain America no matter which side of the political thing you were on. And, and I kind of found that fascinating at the time because you know, in, in my mind, yeah. you know, Iron Man was just so overtly the military industrial complex and he built, <laughs> he built a prison and the registration act was the Patriot act. And, and to me, he was the conservative side of that. And cap was the one fighting against that. And our friend, you had the Nazi conversation with saw it completely opposite. He saw Iron Man as big government, a la liber- liberals and cap was the true conservative fighting against that. And that's fascinating. There is that underdog. I need to be the underdog because I am righteous because you feel like it's this weird, (laughs) this dichotomy of believing everyone agrees with you, but you are also the underdog. Yeah. 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 And that happens a lot, like even more so now that we have like our own echo chambers and things Mm -hmm. like that through social media where you do genuinely believe everyone agrees with you until you see like multiple polls where you're like, Oh, I'm not, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a majority of America, depending on like what time period and things. And that kind of gives you more perspective, but there is this feeling of, especially if you're feeling like you need to fight for something mm-hmm. you, I feel like if you, if you're at a point where you feel the need to fight with it, because if you feel like you are comfortable and you're at the status quo, you're, you're the normal, you're not going to fight. You're not going to budge your ass. Cause that's mm-hmm. what, that's why the status quo remains. Um, you have to feel the villain is the hero of their own story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is that dichotomy that, that truly does exist in any type of person. I feel like when they, they want to fight, but yeah. And also like, um, you see that in the wire, um, how people will analyze that show depending on their political philosophies. <laughs> yeah. And it's really interesting to see um, how people dissect and analyze Baltimore in a political aspect on conservative or liberal ways. And you're like, Oh, like you took that a totally different way than I <laughs> yeah. did. When I'm talking about. Well, that's the, the thing with the civil war. I remember you know, when I had that conversation with, with him, that's what really struck me. It's like, wow, you just, you so completely see this through, this lens that I know that you have mm-hmm. and it's so completely different than my lens, but valid but, and valid. And, and that's, that's kind of the thing. It's a valid interpretation. And that, that was, that was eye opening for me. There's a thing that happens with subcultures and it's really easy to see with the larger ones. If you talk to anyone, and I don't mean people who identify as religiously Christian, I mean, evangelicals who Christianity is their identity they okay. believe that Christians are the most persecuted minority on the planet. Yeah. It's also the most powerful religion on the planet by far right now. It's not the biggest, but certainly the most politically powerful. But you identify as being persecuted by all of the others. If you are a Democrat, you believe the evil Republicans are out to get you. And everybody on this show right now is relatively liberal. But if you're a Republican, you might very well believe the evil Democrats are out to get you. The people who we're all social justice warriors trying to take away their rights. Right. And and the people who really fundamentally believe in you know, your stereotypical Trump voter that we made fun of on the show before, the guy who really wants to make America great again. And then we say, you're just trying to bring back the times of slavery, not slavery, of racism, of sexism from the 50s. But from his perspective, he is a down trodden conservative family values guy who the crazy 
lesbians and gays and Muslims and, you know, and transsexuals and black people and Mexicans. These people are all coming to take away his shit. Yeah. Shameless plug number two, the the reading that I'm doing in a couple of weeks that I, I mentioned last yeah. week. Um, that's part of what I'm reading about. I, I submitted to a magazine called Creative Nonfiction. And it's really me wrestling. I, for those of you who don't know me, I come from an incredibly rural suburb of West Virginia, essentially. I mean, it, it's Pennsylvania, but it's, it's, it's Appalachian in, in culture. Pennsylvania, you mean? <laughs> yeah, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's, it's Appalachian in culture. It's, it's where I'm from. Whether I like it or not, I understand a lot of that, that stuff. Um, and the way that area has changed is a big part of what I'm wrestling with in this thing I'm going to be be reading of just how there are people back home that, that I know and I've known for my entire life and people I love and whatever. And wow, do they have different points of view than I do. And I actually I understand where a lot of it comes from. I don't agree with it. But I understand where it comes from. And I, I think that ties in with the, with the subject of the fandom that we're talking about. Oh, yeah. I just I, I want to jump back real quickly, Av, since you, you, you wanted to talk about the Confederacy as the yeah. resident, as the resident white cracker on the show. Uh, there's there's a, a book I read a year or so ago called The Liberal Redneck Manifesto, and it's written by a comedian by the name of Trey Crowder. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's really kind of brilliant. I, I related to a lot of it. He is fully Southern. He grew mm -hmm. up around all of that stuff. And his videos are hilarious. Yeah. And he, he's, he's really funny. And you read the book and he's just like, you know, be proud to be a Southerner. There's a lot of stuff to be proud of. If you try gumbo, <laughs> I love gumbo. Yeah. I have tried gumbo. Gumbo's amazing. Yeah. Say and, what you want about the South. Gumbo is amazing. And, and, and that's his point. There's all these things that we should be proud of to, as Southerners. Slavery doesn't happen to be one of them. Let it go. <laughs> you know? And, and it, it's it's a really kind of brilliant book, and, and his comedy routines are much the same way. Of he's giving voice to there is this other side to Southern pride and being a quote unquote redneck and and being country um, mm -hmm. that that gets lost in the conversation. And I do think, I'm guilty of this. I'm from there, and. I slip into the lumping everybody into the ignorant redneck category. And I know for a fact that's not true because I'm related to a lot of people who would fit in that category, but I know better. They're not. Mm -hmm. And I and, and that's a conversation that needs to take place as well. There there are reasons. There are ignorant liberals as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And but I, I think I mean, it's, no one it's, on this show. It, we're all. Yeah. We're all like, <laughs> but it's it's important to at least whether you agree with these points of view or not to hear what they're saying, where they're coming from, why they believe this, and try to uh, address that in some way, some way to break down that binary that binary of us versus them, the light side and the dark side. It's difficult though because absolutely. Like, uh, Getting back to, to what Matt said about, you know, the the downtrodden uh, middle class person who sees all of these different groups who are coming in. And the one thing that we've been talking about all night about talk to fandom and, and the sense of ownership. There's also this great sense of entitlement. Oh, yes. that, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was born here. Therefore, uh, I come first. Yeah. And this land that I stole from Native American. Right. right. <laughs> They haven't. They haven't earned it. They <laughs> yeah. they've just sort of like walked into it, or you know they they were born into it, or whatever. And and you know that dual weapon of ownership plus entitlement is really you know two of the greatest uh, ingredients of this toxic mm -hmm. idea that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. That's the gatekeeping thing that happens, particularly with women in geek culture. You end up with the most ridiculous insult that I that I can consider, even more so than the stuff that Abby was talking about at the very beginning of the show. But the most ridiculous insult I can ever think of is, do you really like that 
insert blank here and it could be Avengers. It could be Pittsburgh Steelers. It could be, you know, do you really like this traditionally boy thing? Or do you, are you only wearing that t-shirt because of your boyfriend? And what is the insult there? The insult is you now like this thing. And also you got laid. That's the insult. That's like, there's nothing bad no, about it. No, the, the, it's also this assumption that like you <laughs> defined as a woman cannot have interests of your own. Oh yeah. No, your entire yeah. personality yeah, right. must be centered around right, a man right. because they literally think women's lives revolve around men. Mm-hmm, We're yeah. like legitimately what do not give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of us don't. Well, you think, but so you're saying you think consciously they believe no, that. I think, no, because their assumption is that like, we are always just talking about men. Mm-hmm. And like, here's what I did want to go back to. Cause I feel like we kind of went really offline with some other stuff because fandom it is also complicated because there's a lot in fandom that is tied to it, that I get where people are coming from with this outreach, because I do believe that fandom fan culture in some ways, especially now that we live in this, to use somebody else's term, consumer centric entertainment, as they like to call Ooh, it. Nice. Um, it is marketed. It is mm-hmm. there is so much. Now it's everything is franchised. Everything is marketable. You own that IP forever. Mickey Mouse will never not be public domain. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but we will change copyright law continuously to, to allow wow. Mickey Mouse to, to stay trademarkable. Because it's quite possible the American economy will collapse if Mickey Mouse is okay. I'm not joking. <laughs> no, I, know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, like, fan culture in a lot of ways is this new modern way of oral history, mm-hmm. which is a lot of what academics have been writing about, it, and especially folklore studies and things like that, because it is a way to evolve and put your own spin on things in the way that, like, Beowulf evolved or the way that other mm-hmm. things in oral history do, because it's a reflection of the context in history of where the culture is or where that territorial is historically, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> why in Beowulf randomly? <laughs> Jesus is here, because, <laughs> like, Christians took over the story. So, like, you see these evolutions solutions in through it but in fan culture that's a way of taking something away that is corporate owned that you can't have and i do see there's there are interactions with like Anne rice or jk rowling and there is mm-hmm. there is animosity and i understand the perspective because i went to a, a you know an english writing program and i would get into like these conversations with you know the mfas who were like it's very much my story mm-hmm. and like author's word is law and i'm over here as the lit major like the author is dead yeah, like yeah. it is to the audience now like yeah, you, yeah. you don't own that other's word doesn't mean much and so i do get that and so like i feel like there is pushback but there is and also there's a difference and i think people now like lose and i see this a lot in video game commentaries and stuff people lose the the fact that there's a difference between commenting and criticism absolutely and outward attacking Mm -hmm. and there's a way that criticism is useful because artwork is allowed to exist as it is i i believe and you're allowed to critique it and like show these problems. And that's not necessarily the person being like mm-hmm. outwardly attacking somebody's work, whereas people assume that needs to be the next step. It is fundamentally OK to not like The Last Jedi. I like yeah. I like but did not love The Last Jedi. My problem with The Last Jedi was I thought there were four very interesting stories going on, none of which got enough time to develop. And I wish they'd chosen one or two and then save the other two for another movie. There was just too much going on. So I didn't love The Last Jedi. I'm even okay with somebody not liking The Last Jedi 
because Star Wars is supposed to be a boy story. It's all about men saving the world and rescuing princesses and a throwback to the myths of yore. I don't necessarily believe that, but that is a valid criticism that someone could have. I don't know if valid the word I would use, but it, it is a criticism that can exist. No, and like, that they can, you might feel that way. Yeah, yeah no, like, a person might feel that way, and that is a valid reason to not like the new movie. Oh, yeah. My point. Yeah, and, no, okay. I mean, I'm not saying it's not, I'm not saying I agree with that guy. Yeah. I'm saying that's a, that is a logically thought through kind of dickish point, but that's, of, that's their point, point yeah. of view to have. What's not okay is I don't like this movie and so I am going to threaten to rape and murder the woman who played the character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is what, that's the difference. That's not criticism anymore. Yeah. No, yeah, that's, that's just attacking someone. Yeah. And but The Last Jedi is a white boy movie. Kylo Ren is the white boy. Kylo Ren is a whiny privilege. Yeah, He's yeah. a whiny privileged Upper don't, middle class don't, kid. Don't, don't talk about his pants again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen to last week. No, and I think that I think that's one of the things that you know that they, that people are upset about is because they turned everything on its head. It's and he like became the bad guy, the white yeah, privilege. The yeah, and it is completely reasonable, I think, to not like the movie because you, as a upper middle class white kid who's always been the hero of the story are simply the villain by virtue of being upper middle class white kid, which is kind of what happened to Kylo. He's just whiny and privileged and wah, wah, wah. So he's the bad guy. I understand not liking the movie for that reason. That's oh, I don't like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I understand not liking it. And like there, there's been fandoms and stuff that I, I enjoy and I suddenly did not like it because a character changed in a way mm-hmm. that I didn't like. And that's valid because like Luke's probably different especially if you like the eu and stuff like i like i i get where people come from with those that are like this is not what i know and i don't agree with that characterization of it da, da, da. Mm-hmm. and like yeah i had some of those feelings too during force awakens and so like i get that but like because i feel like this also like there is this need because we are we know that media representation matters and has effects sure and like those are hard to kind of distill it late because there's people who make better arguments about like there's not a one-to-one effect but it's a way of there's a normalizing feedback loop that normalizes culture it, yeah exactly complicated so issue. it's a complicated issue because like it's not that one-to-one ratio that people i think sometimes immediate because they're like then you just like want to censor and it's like no 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 we're just talking about like these rippling effects of how you view your world and like mm-hmm. if you're exposed to something or what is you take in and normalize out of it or if you find something reactionary because suddenly it upsets that worldview mm-hmm. and so you take it in a certain way that need to reestablish or push forward for representation because I, I I do I, you do see like very visceral text for representation and I get where people are coming from with that because like yeah representation does matter that does change a mm-hmm. culture whereas on the opposite end like there's a visceral attack because they don't want it to change they're like no 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 <laughs> we need to we need to keep everything the same mm-hmm. and like that's where that impetus is and it's because they feel like they are genuinely doing something to improve their media because they feel that has an actual genuine impact. It either has some impact on culture or because I think one of the things that I also want to talk in toxic fandom, because this is just like on like a fan to fan basis, it gives you a sense of power or popularity or lets you climb in some sort of esteem. Mm -hmm. Like I I do feel like, because there is this like kind of hierarchy of like how close is a fan to the creator? Mm -hmm. And there is like kind of like kudos that are given to that. And like this esteem, like if you know somebody or if you have contact with them or your picture that you took with somebody or that like you're in the know. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, I feel like those are all part of the same things that are born out of fandom that can't necessarily 
it, it's the it's famous like, yeah. Yeah, I, I name drop David all the time for that reason. I, yeah, exactly. There is a great deal of, you know, chasing of fame. You yeah. know, yeah. if you, you're, if you're the loudest voice in the room, then you're the most famous person in the room, whatever. Yeah, I, uh, it brings up something one of our, our listeners brought up on the, the website, our call for comments, uh, Adam Sorber, just asking about, there is that whole, in some ways, this, this toxic fandom, this I hate it, I love it, has taken away the idea of genuine critique. I mean, he, he said something along the lines of he feels he didn't like mm-hmm. Last Jedi, and he feels he has very valid reasons for not liking it in terms mm-hmm. of poor yeah. plot and, and poor characterization and, and loopholes and all that stuff. Just it wasn't a good movie. But if he says anything about that, he just immediately gets lumped into the, oh, you just hated it because. Right. Yeah. And it does. There, there is something about that. Once again, the, the light side and the dark side, the us against them. Mm-hmm. It has removed that ability to feel okay about something without either loving it or hating it. <laughs> yeah. There's another podcast that I listen to called The Weekly Planet, and they make the joke that in the internet age, all movie reviews have to be either the best movie ever or the worst movie ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is no in-between. And to look at another toxic fandom issue, I had the issue Adam had back when the reboot of Ghostbusters came out. Mm-hmm. I remember when it came out, me going, eh, this seems like a horrible idea. Um, when I heard it was being rebooted before I knew it was going to be an all female cast because Ghostbusters is not really all that popular. It's only, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's got a, niche, a very like, niche, very vocal fandom, but it's, it's niche. I enjoyed watching those movies when I was 12, you know, they were fine. And then when it was going to be rebooted with an all female cast, then I was like, Oh, well now you're just asking for people to complain. And, and when it came out, I thought it was a mediocre movie. It was fine. It was slightly subpar to the first Ghostbusters movie. It was about on the same footing as the second Ghostbusters movie, which was their kind of okay movies, one of which became a cult classic. But when I criticized it, I ended up giving it like two and a half out of five stars. It's an okay movie. I thought two of the four characters were really flat. In particular, I thought Kate McKinnon's character, whose name I can no longer remember. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm being serious. And I'm not trying to be a dick about it. I honestly don't remember what, what name they gave the character. Jillian, Holt, Jillian Holtzman. I just put up the cast while we're talking. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah. off the top of my head, I know the names of the four characters from the original Ghostbusters. They're part of my pop culture childhood. From Holtzman, I didn't remember her name. It's not that memorable a movie. And I thought her character was flat and boring. And somebody yelled at me and said, you don't understand how important this is as a movie representation she's a lesbian character and this is important it's like no i get it she's boring she there's nothing interesting about her it's great that they've put a lesbian character Mm -hmm. into a movie but she's a lesbian character who has no effect on the plot whatsoever there are four characters three of them are scientists and she has no subplot everything she does could have been done by Kristen wig or melissa mccarthy's character like they they just gave her stuff to do in order to justify there being a fourth one, she doesn't really matter, and that made her thoroughly uninteresting to me. Couldn't the same argument be made for Egon, though? Yeah, yes, yeah. which yeah. is why which is why Ghostbusters yeah. is also a movie that is about that's worth about two and a half, maybe two point yeah. seven five stars. It's <laughs> not great. And, and, you know, two, two, two comments on that: I, when the movie came out, I, I have friends who have you. Know, 
young girls, you know, daughters who did those costumes for, for Halloween. And it was really cool to see that you, it, there was that representation yeah. for them that I do think was very important. I'm not disagreeing with the, the point you're making now, but I did see why that was important to a certain, I just wish it happened in a good movie. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And when you're eight, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does not matter. I mean, going back to star Wars, star Wars is not a great movie. It's a fun movie that, resonates for lots of reasons yeah. that we could analyze but it's not this is not citizen kane it's right. it's star wars and, and, and i enjoy it the, the other point is just to, to point out in doing some research for the show leslie jones is the person who took the heat of the internet crap over, yeah, absolutely over hated it because she is a cast full of women but she happens to be a black woman so mm-hmm. she's the one who is most singled out for the Twitter death threats and rape threats. And, and you know, I, I don't know that either of those things specifically took place, but that type no, of... No, they, they both did. Yeah, they, that, um, that she, she got lots of threats. She also, she was doxxed around the same time. Yeah. And um, it's never been proven, I don't think, that it was the Ghostbusters fans who did it, but she was doxxed and nude photos of her were leaked from her phone. Mm-hmm. And she, she took a lot of crap from it. Being black and slightly heavy, she was the target. And you can't just ignore the fact that she's the only one that was black. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the attacks that she took that weren't just out and out rape threats and we're going to come to your house and kill you threats. There was a lot of racial epithets yelled at her for essentially for taking a role in a movie. Yeah. So so maybe it's it's not fandom that's toxic. It's human beings who are toxic who happen to participate in these fandoms. <laughs> well, this goes back to what I was saying originally. You don't always want to wear the Star Wars shirt yeah. because here's the thing well because like this idea of cultivating identity and you assuming that we're all in this together we're all no we're not there yeah. are shit bags in your community yes. that you will not like yes. and like here's the thing and how do you deal with that and I think this also I wanted to kind of talk about it when you were talking about like I'm the only dude but like I'm going to be lumped in with all these other ones well they're in your court too so you kind of have to deal with them yeah. in your critiques and that's fair because um one of my friends we always get into like heated arguments because he likes to play devil's advocate and I am like I will die on this hillside (laughs) when we have have discussions and like we've talked about this so like sometimes I'll get really heated but I remember one time he was talking about and we were talking about Last Jedi because he's one of those people that did not enjoy it I'm like he's very liberal minded he's we have lots of discussions about feminism and stuff Mm -hmm. and everything so like you know he's the best to his ability not misogynistic (laughs) as he tries but like we were having a conversation about the Carrie Fisher scene where she floats in the air Mm -hmm. and my reaction is like as a woman like I was like it's not that different from Star Lord's floating through it like they both have the same type of weirdness of how they look floating in space and Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny but like it's there's a lot going on in those scenes that make it emotional and for me and like and I like pull and I talk to women and Mm -hmm. who are Star Wars fans it's not like they're like yeah I like Star Wars like people who like read the books the comics all that like they Mm -hmm. are the fans but people who have cultivated their identity around Star Wars Mm -hmm. right and like for them as women to see Carrie Fisher actively use the force was really fucking important and with her theme and like it's really it's really emotional because like we can talk about how active and passive portrayals of like being force sensitive and why women are given passive roles whereas men are given active that's pretty self-explanatory but like i remember being little and when you find out leia has the force like that was like a dream like and that was a dream come true and to see carrie fisher get to do that was really important and i'm trying to explain to cooper and he's like it was really funny to me and i was like you don't find the star lord scene funny though and right. I was trying to point out, like, I actually do. I think they're both stupid. Well, no, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. You find them equivalent. Yes. And I'm trying to point out differences he's, he's, because it's like 
I think there's a difference. And I remember him saying, like, not everything has a motive. And I was like, it doesn't have to be a conscious motive. No, absolutely not. And my critique was to point out like something I was like, a lot of times, like when people are critiquing things is to expose something that I'm not usually self-conscious of aware of how I'm reading something or I didn't know existed. The show notes for this episode will include a link to an article called Le Mort de la Tour, which is not the death of Arthur. It's <laughs> the death of the author. It's by Roland Barthes. Yeah. It's an article that no one's going to bother to read, but you should. Abby and I both read it. Yes. <laughs> I read a lot of Roland Barthes. <laughs> she, 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 uh, she sort of passively alluded to it earlier. The author's intent is not the same thing as what a story means to the consumer. Yeah. And like, and that's part of fan culture. Like that, what you got out of something is important. Like that woman who talks about, like, it's really important that there was a lesbian comedy character who is in this Ghostbusters thing. It's like, yeah, yeah like absolutely. That, because like so many people, like, it's like, yeah, like maybe Luke is your favorite character. He's one of my favorite characters and people give me shit about it. But like, those are the type of characters. Cause I like mm-hmm. Steve Rogers. I like the voices <laughs> that are like trying their best. And like, there's people like, there's a reason I think especially it's funny that like this happens in fandom where it's like it doesn't have to be the best thing ever. No, it just has to be something like you enjoy and you love it because like that's what the core part of fandom supposed to be when it's working best. Like this beautiful outpouring of like, I just love this thing because it makes me happy. It makes me forget about all this other bullshit going okay. on in the world. It, like there are, I mean, we, it's OK we, to love dumb stuff. Yeah. It doesn't have to be I great. Love, like it's OK we, to love dumb stuff. I love a lot of dumb stuff. From the very beginning of this show, we joked about the fact that I love Manimal. I also love Cop Rot. And I love the movie Showgirls. These are all monstrably bad things. I'm not stupid, but it's okay for me to love something because it speaks to me. Yeah. You don't have to justify why you love something. And by the way, loving... Fuck, what was what was her name again? Kate McKinnon's character. Holtzman. Holtzman. Loving Holtzman because you are a 10 year old who identifies as a lesbian and it's the first time you've seen one in science fiction. That is a completely valid reason to love her. It's okay to like Luke because he's a cornfed farm boy from space, Iowa. And that's, thanks to the Avengers movies. There's an entire new generation of people who, who hate Hawkeye that I now have to argue with. (laughs) (laughs) But like, also I think it it ties back to that gatekeeping thing of why people feel like this need to prove themselves because, and like, I know what happens between men and stuff. There's a pissing contest, like as if like knowing more knowledge will make your dick bigger or something. And nobody cares. (laughs) Like it's this idea. It goes goes back to, uh, back to what you said earlier about you know wearing the avengers t-shirt it's mm-hmm. like you need to take you need to take the uniform off that's that's how it's framed right <laughs> yeah so like i feel like that's why there's that all that infighting and it becomes like it's particularly if you're in that environment a lot and i do think there's like um a type of vacuum that fandoms can pull you yes. in depending on where you are in your life right like that's a community for you that you might not have anything else going on Absolutely. like when i was my first year of college i had no friends because like i met a new i wasn't even that far away from my home but like I didn't know anybody in my first year of college. And one of the things that I did was I joined up with a very small niche Star Wars community online. And like that gave me a social outlet that I couldn't find immediately and didn't cultivate for a while while I was at at college, because like at least I knew that I could talk to these people on like some basis. Mm -hmm. And I formed genuine friendships with people through those fandoms that I still have today. And I still talk to them. Mav and I are friends because you shop at my store. (laughs) I I, I would never have met you otherwise. It's completely random. It's fine. And 
you know, you can build relationships around that. But for some reason, when it becomes part of your identity, yeah. there is an inclination to defend the thing that I love yeah. by destroying <laughs> everyone else. Even if it even if it's yeah. the creator. I mean, you, yeah. we've going back when JK Rowling revealed that Dumbledore was gay. After the last book was already published, the character, you know, spoiler alert, Dumbledore was dead. Also a spoiler alert, there is no Dumbledore. He's a fictional character. He doesn't matter. If you decide that you want Dumbledore to be straight in your mind, you know, fine. I don't care. And I don't think J.K. Rowling really cares. She said, and she said in her mind, he was gay. That's how he wrote her. And people wanted to kill her when they made the Cursed Child. Is that the play? Yeah. In the British version of the play, they cast a black woman as Hermione. Lost their mind. And people yeah. lost their shit. And J.K. Rowling said, but Hermione was supposed to be black. And if you look in the first book, Hermione's description is she's an awkward girl with kinky hair. That's all it says. It doesn't say what color she is. Mm-hmm. It, that's, that, that's all it says about her. She's got kinky, curly hair. And that's all Rowling had said about her. So she's like, yeah, she can be black. It's fine. I, I you know, I considered that. But people in people's mind, Hermione Granger is yeah. specifically as Emma Watson. And it's not just racial things. When Rowling said, and I disagree with her on this, Rowling said she wishes that she had finished the story with Harry ending up with Hermione instead of Ron ending up with Hermione and people, how could, how dare you, how dare you say this? And it's like, well, it's her opinion. And yeah, I know she wrote it, but you know what? So what? I don't care. Like I disagree with her on that. I don't want to kill her. And this weirdly ties into toxic fandoms in general, because like fandom grandma over here in (laughs) Harry Potter world, when I was on like the world wide web, when there was just like weird servers and like fanfiction.net and shit. And like the internet was not what it is now. I mean, like it's funny because her saying that brings up all this dredges of like ship wars and shit where like fans just like kill and like are really nasty to one another and like there are fandoms with reputations (laughs) like right like you're like I like that thing but I'm not gonna say I'm a fan of it like because I don't want to get into a conversation or I don't want people to think a certain way about me because I've definitely done that with stuff where I'm like I'm not gonna talk about that thing and Harry Potter is actually one of those and because like you would not I feel like a lot of people are like oh this joyous thing like da 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 like if you were on like the dirt bin (laughs) the internet space that I was the one that struck to my mind when you said that is you cannot be a my little pony fan no if like, you're dude if you say if you no, say you are dude, like, then you become a brony and yeah as a, as a male and bronies have a bad rep- reputation yeah I, you know but if you like the show it should be fine and like here's the thing like it's that separation of like people who enjoy it and whatever you're like usually if you talk to them they're like oh i like it and they're like mm-hmm. oh okay but it's that cultivated identity right mm-hmm. when it becomes that part then there's this whole other associations with it and mm-hmm. you get that whole other group and every nasty weird creepy upsetting why did you post that online yeah, and, and, <laughs> incorporated and, with that identity onto you and quite often the negative stereotypes of any group are the ones that get the most press oh, yeah. you know you know people are afraid of muslims because of nine guys who flew a plane into a building that's muslims is the, one of the largest religions on the yeah. planet <laughs> it's a it's a lot of people. people and but that's the that's the picture americans have in their head is oh well they're terrorists and the same thing you know bronies are these pedophiles and yeah. right now star wars is becoming those assholes who drove a woman off the internet for taking a role in a movie 
and who hate everything and who complain and who hate women. And now, again, am I the biggest Star Wars fan in the world? No, but I like the movies. I, that's on some um, level, like all of them. You know, yeah. all, <laughs> I don't know, 47 of them are we up to? <laughs> Something like that. Ten. So what are we saying? <laughs> it's, it's okay to like stuff. Don't, don't threaten to kill people. Don't, kill, don't be an asshole. It's okay to like stuff. Don't be an asshole. I mean, I, and it, it seems like this... It, it seems like such like an obvious thing, but like, I, I do think like it is worth self evaluation because like, I know I get heated about things and like critiquing and like <laughs> it was pointed out when I know when my friend who, when he's like, not everything has a motive. And I remember being like, it's, it's worth it to not feel like you need to necessarily attack. And I do, I do think some of that is my fandom upbringing in some ways. I think that it was part of the culture of mm-hmm. you need to be defensive to prove yourself mm-hmm. and like so like now that i've gotten older and you know read more shit and you know try to be a better human being overall like no you have to like sometimes like take a step back and you'd be like what is actually what is my objective with trying to do this like what am i actually trying to say because i think also a lot of times in fandom i mean there is like that, that we I mean, we did it right here in this this mm-hmm. podcast. We like being the smart person in the room. We like mm-hmm. knowing the most about it because like part of it, yeah. you do get creds. You get to be the big dog on campus whenever you can show somebody up. And like also like it doesn't matter. Like I know that. But like <laughs> also like I need any sort of external reinforcement from, you know, all the people who shit on me for no reason. <laughs> and so like I think one of the things I just want to promote Manimal. That's what this entire show is about. I know. Okay. So like also like that is your objective. <laughs> More people watch Manimal. But it, it's that like immediate need to kind of step back and like why are you attacking? Like what are you what is and then like not to be silent too. And I think we also like critique versus attacking needs to be reestablished or something. We all have passionate opinions about something. I mean we we're doing a podcast about this. We talk about this all the time. <laughs> so obviously we have some opinions and, and we're passionate about this stuff. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're right that you being passionate about something doesn't necessarily imply going to war over it. We're doing a podcast with Marone, who's been a guest on the show called The Geeky View. You know, that's that's what this show is. And it, you know, it's just arguing about stuff that we are passionate about. Mm-hmm. Abby and I went to school to learn how to <laughs> argue <laughs> about stupid, stuff. <laughs> stupid stuff that you're passionate about. And David, get your point across, yeah, right? David, your entire career is going to conventions where people argue about stupid stuff that they're passionate about. But at a, at a level, you know, at some level, you know, I think that's all great, even if I disagree with people. But again, don't threaten to kill people. That's the that's the, the message of this that's show. Yeah, don't, don't. <laughs> right. Rape and murder are bad. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. And, and, and if you're paying any attention to these things that you're into, it's about being heroic. It's about doing the right thing. <laughs> that's the thing that kills me. That's the thing that just just blows my mind is that here are these people that are are arguing to the death about something that's fictional. <laughs> Uh, uh, where light triumphs over dark, and yet they are delving into the deepest, darkest dredges of their soul just to try to make a point. It's like, at that point, step away from the computer, go outside, some yeah, vary very your hobbies. There are plenty of fandoms. Like, just get some other ones to kind of like break it up a little. Well, I, I was going to say that you know, there's there's all this talk about geeks and nerds and stuff like that. I don't really think geeks and nerds exist anymore. No, I think they're yeah, normal. Yeah, culture is. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think that that, that designation 
that flag. I don't think you can wave that flag no, anymore. No, no, no. Right. Because, yeah. uh, no, you it's know, the underdog, but we're the most people <laughs> at right. the same time. Aven- again. <laughs> Avengers made $2 billion at the, do- at, at the box office as of yesterday. Yeah. It wasn't just comics fans because I'm here to tell you two billion people have not been in my store this week. That's <laughs> true. Much like always, we've solved that. We've gone way over time oh, no. again, which no. we always do. <laughs> that's not our, that's not our objective. I've I've had several people writing me about this topic since we said we were gonna do it. And I I don't know that there is a solution other than, you know, the moral of the story is don't be an asshole, which I, I think is a fine moral and I think something that we should all keep in mind, except me, because I'm an asshole for a living. But, you know, but like the rest of you, you shouldn't, you know, and again, I'm, I'm an asshole who's never raped or murdered anybody nor threatened to. So, you know, I'm an asshole with words. Be, be, you know, Just argue with words politely. OK, so so let's close this out. David, I, I'm just going to I'm going to throw this out there. You have a book out. I do have a book out. So so so, so tell us about your book as, as well as whatever appearances you have coming up. <laughs> uh, well, the book is actually a collection of three no- short novellas, two of which I started over 30 years ago and was finally able to finish them. The third one is a reprint of my uh uh, short story, uh, Buddy, Bu- Buddy Holly in the Cold Cold Ground. Uh, it, it's, it, it's entitled Oddities and it was put out by SourcePoint Press. Um, yeah. and you can find it on barnesandnoble.com. You can find it at amazon.com. It'll be linked in the show note. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm still hoping rev- we'll review it because without reviews, nobody will ever see it on Amazon. Um, <laughs> I, I have four books nobody sees on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, I was excited for it to come out and, uh, Next year, my full-length Lincoln Bright novel will be coming out. And, oh, nice. Good. Um, and uh, I'll be appearing at several conventions uh, later this summer. I'll be in Austin this coming weekend. I'll be in Mississippi at the end of June. I'll be in out in California for Power Morphicon, which is the big Power Ranger-centric uh, convention that happens every two years. And possibly somewhere big on the East Coast in October. But that, those details are still being worked out. So. Well, that's great. And Thanks. we will definitely link to all that in the show notes. Do you have like a Twitter or a Facebook or anything that where fans can get in touch with you? Uh, yeah. I also want to uh, also promote uh, the movie that uh, that we're making with several of the Power Rangers called The Order. Uh, we just uh, announced uh, a graphic novel that we're doing that's a, a prequel to that. Okay. Uh, nice. But they can find me on Twitter at David J. Fielding. They can find me on Facebook uh, uh, as Zordon. And also on Instagram at DJ Fielding underscore Zordon. That sounds great. We will link to all of David's projects in the in the blog at www.boxpopcast.com. If you follow the show notes to the blog, you will see that. Wayne, you've got something to promote. You promoted it last week. Yeah, and, and I alluded to it when we were talking tonight. I'm doing a reading here in Pittsburgh at a, a restaurant bar called The Brillo Box. It's a monthly reading series called The Bridge Series. Every month they, they do a reading to, to benefit a, a local organization. Uh, I've been invited to, to read. Uh, it benefits an organization organization called Girls Right Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm not a girl, uh, but I, I, I'm absolutely happy su- supporting this cause. Uh, and I and yeah, I'm going to be writing about uh, I'm not as funny as Trey Crowder, but I'm going to be talking about some of the same kind of issues with uh, country folk. And this, I want to say Thursday, Wayne and I are going to be on together. We're going to be on the Sectarian Review, a podcast that we've both been on separately, hosted by Danny Anderson, who's been on this show. And that will be us talking primarily about a book called Miracle Man, a book we both love that 
no one has read, but <laughs> should. And we will talk about the reasons why on that show. That should be fun. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it will be fun because we will record it in the future or the past or whatever. <laughs> yes, we've already recorded it, but I believe that show comes out Thursday. We, we will have been recording it. Yes. <laughs> and weird conjugation of verbs. You can follow our our show on Twitter at Box Popcast. You can follow the blog at www.boxpopcast.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Box Popcast. You can follow me on Twitter and lots of other places at Chris Maverick. Wayne, where can people find you? My blog is probably the best place, wayne-wise.com. Uh, I, I have Twitter, wayne underscore.com, but I really don't use it very much. And my blog is chrismaverick.com. Abby's on Twitter, but she's mean. <laughs> Finally, I'm just yeah. friends only right now. <laughs> because fandom is toxic. <laughs> and, um, and scene. That's the <laughs> and I want to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our theme music that's playing right now and annoying everybody who still thinks the theme song is too long but I don't care I just love this uh, I love the song see Max I don't always make fun of you I defended you there it is a long song anyway um I want to thank Abby for coming back. I want to thank you for showing up, David. This is, it's been great. Yeah. Thanks, David. Yeah, yeah. Been a lot of fun. I uh, hope to have you both back on. Abby, I'm sure we'll be on. Um, yeah, we got, we got stuff in the works. regularly. We've got stuff in the works. We, we will be following up on the video game show with another video game show soon. And David, you know, we, we certainly welcome you back whenever you have time and with it, whenever you want to come and bullshit for an hour. I would love to. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify wherever you find your podcast leave us a, a review reviews help people find the show you know follow the blog comment on the next topic let us know what you want to hear us talk about and be a part of the conversation we look forward to it just be nice do not threaten to kill us <laughs> yeah, or please. rape us or anything else you know we don't, like be an asshole. don't be an asshole thank you all for listening we will see you next week bye 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 opportunity to recharge while I place myself into a meditative state. Yes, Sordon. You're right, of course.